I am Jeremy Pleasant. I'm the senior pastor here at the Vineyard Church. I want to welcome you to the Vineyard Church of Baton Rouge. I want to welcome you to a place you belong. I want to welcome you to a community of hope. You can be the furthest from God you can imagine. You can be a faithful follower. You can just be looking for life. This place is for you. You can be a saint or a sinner, a loser or a winner, lost or left over, adopted, abandoned, whether you're divorced, LGBT, rejected alone, or just someone who doesn't fit, welcome. You're welcome here because Jesus, our God who became man, welcomed the least of these and everyone in between. We believe in radical acceptance, radical transformation, radical, radical reconciliation, practicing the radical love of Jesus for everyone, no matter the cost. So welcome. So uh, Kim gave some announcements um, about kind of some critical things coming up. Don't worry, I'm not going to fall off the stage. I see you all looking to make sure to see what's going to happen. <laughs> I almost fell on Friday, but I didn't. We had a great spirit of life night on Friday, but, you know, it was, uh, it was, a, it was a really, really awesome time and had a lot of fun um, uh, serving at, uh, for our serve day yesterday. It was, uh, it was really, really cool. Um, so as we are looking at this, this Jordan trip, um, this is one of those things, as I've said before, this is a team trip. I understand that sometimes, you know, not everyone can make it, but there are still tons of ways to be involved. And so I want to encourage you to, uh, to think about that and, and, and consider doing that. It's something I'm really excited about. It's our first opportunity to go to this region of the world. And uh, there's some really, some really amazing things happening there. And um, I also want to provide just a little more clarity on the, on the growth tracks. So uh, the, the class we have, the first one is foundations. Like, yes, it, it's for, for, for people who are kind of new to faith or, or those kind of exploring Christianity. You're not sure if you or want to do this or not, but like are, are interested in learning more. Yes, it's part of that, but this is also a class for those that are like are looking for an opportunity to, to say, what does a life in this Christian life look like? And so it's kind of like an A to Z, kind of this life with God um, at, at, at kind, of, kind of the basic level that kind of understands our kind of main theological grid, but also a very practical way to say, okay, well, this is what it looks like to be a disciple. And then our, our How to Read the Bible class is really going to help you, even if you've done something like that before in, in, in another church or in school, it's, uh, it's something that, that's going to allow us to actually go deeper in, uh, in reading our Bible because, you know, the Bible is one of those things, this is a thousands-year-old uh, document. And so uh, being able to have some, uh, a deeper expression of, of reading and understanding it will, will uh, strengthen and enrich our lives. So I want to encourage you uh, to, to check out one of those two kind of wherever you are, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Cool? All right. So we have been in this series, The Gospel with the Poor, God's Heart for Mercy and Justice. I'm realizing I can't like walk around like I normally do, so I'm just going to try to stay still. We'll see how that goes. So Often when it comes to talking about mercy and justice, some of us are wired this way naturally. Um, this can be from any number of things, but it's part of our story and or our gifting. And then there are some of us who aren't wired this way naturally. It's a struggle to engage the poor, and often we shut down if, if we're forced to. And uh, that shutting down can be something as simple as just ignoring what's right in front of us, uh, judgment for those that we're looking at, 
you know, things of that sort. And for those that, um, that, that kind of orient that way, this series, and specifically today, is designed to help you engage with the poor, as Jesus calls us to, in an unforced way. Like in a way that is, that is natural, and in a way where we want to without shutting down. Does that make sense? And for those that are naturally wired this way, we often think we got to figure it out and can look upon those that haven't figured it out with, with judgment. And what we'll see today is how Jesus is bringing all this to light and calling us to something different, to release the judgments all across the board and to instead proclaim freedom. And so I want to emphasize God is not judging us where we stand, but inviting us into a deeper walk with him to experience mercy and love for ourselves and to let that flow out toward others. So let's look at our first scripture. Our main scripture for today, Luke 7. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And so, and and, and Middle Eastern culture, you don't have like a dining room table and, and, and chairs. It's actually kind of just like couches and people recline. And so they're, they're there to eat, okay? A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Uh-oh. Tell me, teacher, he said. Okay, two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50 Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So Luke is like actually just a brilliant writer and just paints this wonderful story as we see here that there, there's times when I'm like, I, I, I kind of want to like see a short film of like this, just, this, this, this whole interaction because it's a really powerful story. And we're going to come back to that in just a second. But first, I want to look at uh, uh, a scripture from earlier in Luke, in Luke 4. This is Jesus in the temple saying, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisons and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And so what I want to do real quick is look at that last line 
in verse 19, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, favor was translated, what it's really saying is to proclaim jubilee. You ever heard that term? Jubilee? So what is jubilee? Jubilee is part of the original law that we see in the Old Testament. Now, don't worry, we're not going to go through, you know, a mosaic historical lesson right now, I promise you. I'm not going to bore you to death. But this is important. This this law, this, this jubilee happened every 50 years, okay? And so what it was, it was a time, it was one year of Sabbath. And what also happened, it was the remission of land and housing. And so if, if you sold land or someone bought a, a bunch of land, after 50 years, it had to go back to the original owner. That's not all. Anyone who was a slave got their freedom. And anyone who had any debts with anyone, those debts were wiped out. Every 50 years, according to God's law, God said, we are going to set the record clean. We're going to wipe it all away. And so what Jesus is saying is to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He said, I am proclaiming jubilee right now here on earth. And so it's interesting because up until this point, Jesus is quoting Isaiah, okay? Isaiah 61. And then he gets to the end here and he flips the script and he stops quoting Isaiah. Like, so he's like reading from a scroll, okay? And so he's reading Isaiah and then he stops reading it and it says, and to proclaim the year of Jubilee. Now is the time when everyone becomes free. When the slate is wiped clean, when we get to begin anew. So several years ago, I, uh, when I was running my, running my business, um, something interesting happened. The film industry in Louisiana tanked. <laughs> and uh, that was like m- most of my business. And so I had to like re- very quickly shift my business model and downsize to, and, to compensate and, and, and work into uh, a different industry. And so this is the problem. I just signed the new lease. <laughs> like two months prior, um, not knowing, you know, obviously, that 80% of my business was, was, was changing. And, um, and so I, I, I called my landlady. It's like, hey. So what happened was I was going to stay, <laughs> and then I don't have any money no more. <laughs> and um, so mind you, this is a, a year-long lease, and... So technically, I owe, I owe, you know, $15,000, right? And you know what her response was? She's like, don't worry about it. I'm not going to come after you. I understand things happen. Just give me one more month and, 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 and work your way out and everything, and we'll, we'll call it square. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Thank you, Jesus. You know, one of those like real, like real thank you, Jesus moments. Like, yes, Lord, <laughs> I'm free. <laughs> I mean, it was an awesome moment, and she didn't have to do that. And so it was just, it was an amazing feeling to just like not have that debt just, you know, living over me, right? It's something to have, it's, it's a certain feeling to know that your debt has been wiped clean, 
And so as we look back at this story, we see what it looks like for someone whose slate has been wiped clean. So Jesus is invited to this house. To, he's invited to dinner. And as they're there, now it's important to understand kind of in this culture at the time, especially for someone important like a Pharisee, they, they had a larger home. They had a courtyard. And so it was normal for people to kind of walk in and uh, observe what was going on. Like we, that would never happen in like the U.S. in 2020, right? But like in, in, in ancient um, uh, Hebrew culture, this is like a normal thing. So like poor people can come in and ask for food. Other people, if there are like important people there, they can come in and hear them talking. So that's like a regular thing in this time. And so in the middle of that, there is this woman that is just throwing herself over Jesus, adoring him just showering, showering love upon him like nobody else. And this whole time, Simon, the Pharisee, is indignant. It's like, this can't be a prophet. He would know what kind of woman she is and that she's a sinner, and he wouldn't let this unclean thing touch him. That's what Simon says. But Jesus knows the true heart of this woman. He knows the source of her love. And there are times, as, I, as, I, as I've been looking back, thinking this, through this whole week, I'm like, have I ever loved Jesus like that? Have I loved Jesus so much that I would just throw myself on him and, and adore him in the way that she did? Because there's some things going on that don't, we, it's hard for us to understand in, 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 in our modern culture, but so I want to like unpack that a little bit just to, to describe how lavish it is she's doing. So first of all, she has a known reputation as a, as a sinner, as morally ambiguous, maybe a prostitute, we don't know for sure. But she has a known reputation. And so for her to even walk into this room, among these people, takes courage. And she did it anyway. Jesus talks to Simon about how she anointed him and kissed his feet and all these things, which are normal customs, but the normal custom will be to kiss one's cheek. She kissed his feet. The normal custom would be to anoint one's head. She anointed his feet. She went above and beyond the customs of of hospitality to show her love toward him. She let her hair down. Which you're like, what's the big deal? Well, in Jewish culture, women don't let their hair down in public. That's not something you do. So it was a very embarrassing situation. (laughs) She let her hair down to wipe his tears. She had no problem embarrassing herself. She just couldn't help it. She just, just let it all out for Jesus. And what we see is the same generosity of love that she received, she gives. Now, we don't know what happened. You know, maybe she heard Jesus teaching one time. Maybe he actually met with her and healed her. Maybe she just walked into that room 
and just was overwhelmed by the presence of God. Whatever happened, she received the generous love of God in her life, and this was just her natural response because she knew what it was like to be forgiven. She felt that mercy. She felt that hope. So what's interesting about this scripture is that um, it says that uh, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is and that she is a, a sinner. And then it says right after that, that Jesus answered him. But this is the thing. The, the Pharisee said it to himself. <laughs> in other words, he said it in his head. He didn't say it out loud, Right? So Jesus actually does this all the time. If you, if you go through the Gospels, you'll see him all the time responding to, like, people's thoughts. <laughs> it's like, Simon, I got something to tell you. He saw into his heart. And so as he sees into his heart, he gives this parable and a proverb. He who has been forgiven little loves little. It's hard to love when you haven't experienced love. It's hard to pour out when you don't know what it's like to have a debt and be forgiven. Jesus is telling Simon that he has loved little, not just, be, not just Jesus, but in general, because he has been forgiven little. And he hasn't, he's not saying he's been forgiven little because he hasn't done that much, but it's because he doesn't recognize his own faults. He doesn't recognize his own need for mercy. And so I want to quickly go through this continuum because as we start to talk about this, it's easy for us to get the wrong impression of understanding forgiveness and, and, and love and, and kind of faults, right? And so I kind of draw this like this little mercy continuum, okay? And so we start, we start with recognition, okay? Okay, there, there's this thing in me, okay? I feel this conviction. I, 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 I feel guilty for this thing I said, for this thing I've done, right? See, too often we stop right there and we just kind of live in this toxic shame. And that's not what we're called to, okay? And so we have this thing come up and then we move towards repentance, which really just means turning away, okay? I, I, I want to I turn away from this. And as that happens, we experience the forgiveness, mercy, and love of God. Now, where we get mixed up is we think that God can't love us or show his mercy towards us until we, like, get our act straight, right? Because, I mean, that's how we grow up, right? Like, you, you, you do right, you do something good, and then you get, you, you, you get the treat, right? But his love is actually not dependent on that. Our experience of his love is what's dependent on that. See, God loves us no matter what, but it's often hard for us to experience that forgiveness and that love until we actually turn away from those things that, are, that, that come up in us. Does that make sense? And then, out of that experiential love and forgiveness and mercy, we were able to pour out that love towards others. And so as we're talking about loving others and serving the poor, those things that become difficult are those things where we say, I need to grow in this love. And for me to grow in this love, I need to be able to experience more of the love and mercy of God. Y'all with me so far? Okay. 
you know, if you struggle to engage the poor, shut down or justify, you must be able to recognize your own faults and, and not just justify them. And I'm talking with all of us. And let yourself receive and experience the mercy of God in your life. If you don't struggle to engage with the poor, but judge others, even to yourself, kind of like Simon did, kind of in your head, you know, we kind of do that a little bit, right? Like, just, just something just a little bit in your head. Like, because you know you're not supposed to say it out loud, so you just like do it in your head, right? Um, I would encourage you to cease from that and seek God's mercy that you can express toward those you feel like don't do enough. And in that, you'll find a deeper compassion and a deeper understanding for the poor in spirit. We want to let Jesus see into us, right? Like, I kind of don't want Jesus to say, Jeremy, I have something to tell you, right? I, I kind of don't want that moment, but there are times where I'm like, you know what, I need that moment. I need him to look inside of me and tell me. Because I want to love a lot. I don't want to love a little. Let's, you know, it's, it's easy for us to all, no matter where we are on the spectrum, it's easier for all to sit in Simon's seat, right? Let's, let's move to, to the floor where this woman is. I want to love Jesus like that. So after the story, Jesus asked Simon a question after the parable. Do you see this woman? Do you see? Now, obviously he can see her, right? She's right there making a whole scene and everything. And yet he asked, do you see this woman? Can you look behind what she has done and see what I see, Simon? Can you see her, the person? And so I ask us, can we see? Can we look beyond the circumstance of a person? Can we see behind the scars that life has created? Can we see the image of God and the people that we don't want to look at? And that's something that I have to do all the, I have to question myself. Can I see? Will I choose to see? And so we have an opportunity as, as a church, as part of this larger movement, to, to see people. To, to, to love more. Last year, um, a friend of mine, he, he pastors the uh, Ann Arbor Vineyard in Michigan. And they decided to do something special for Easter. And they raised money and bought out millions, literal millions of medical debt of the poor in their community. I mean, it was, this re it was so amazing. I mean, it, it ended up on national news. And it was just like a couple hundred people say, you know what, we're going we're gonna to see people. We're going we're gonna to come up with something. <laughs> and we're just going to clear the debts 
of so many people because they could see them. And I texted him. I was like, man, I can't tell you how much this story means to me as someone who has accumulated a significant amount of medical debt. I mean, who is like in this trap because he got sick. And like how many more people have that and worse? And it was just phenomenal. It's like, yes, that is who we are. That's what the church is. That's what the church does. And that's what we can be. We can be those people. We can be that church. We don't have to do exactly what everyone else is doing, but we can do something. Tomorrow, we celebrate Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday. King was born at a time not of slavery, but still of bondage. And he proclaimed and demonstrated setting the captives free. And it cost him his life. Today, we as a people are not all free. But God has given us the power and the authority and the mission to set the captives free. And it starts with seeing them. It starts with responding to Jesus' question, do you see? Can we see? And can we love? In honor that I want to share quotes, actually two quotes that's actually on my, on, uh, that I've, I've had on my, uh, on my wall for a long time from, uh, from King. Every person must decide whether he will live a life full of destruction or creative altruism. Life's most urgent and persistent question is, what are you doing for others? Jesus said that we are in a time of favor and of freedom that the slate is wiped clean. I think sometimes it's easy to take that for granted because we hear it over and over. But in order to fully appreciate that, we have to be able to recognize that cost. And my hope is that we can demonstrate the time of Jubilee for the poor in spirit in our community. Amen. All right, let's look at some practical tips. Take a moment this week and reflect on where you have experienced God's generosity. As you do that, go down the mercy continuum that, we've, that we just talked about. Ask Jesus to see into your heart. Like, and this is something that, like, I did this week, because I'm like, all right, all right, it's open. Take a look. <laughs> what's in there? That, that, what's in there? And he'll, and he'll respond. And then I say, okay, I, I, I want to turn from that. And then I just, 
Notice the last thing Jesus said to that woman, go in peace. That wasn't like a farewell. That was, hey, you have peace now. Receive it. It is yours. Bask in it. And I was able to experience a little bit of that peace as I, as I, as I walked through this. I do this a couple times. <laughs> but let's go down that continuum. As things come up, don't let shame in. Instead, let a desire to turn away arise. And as that happens, let the love, forgiveness, and mercy of God pour into you. See, because it's not about the sin or the shame. It's about the love or the mercy. That's just, we just have to start there so we can get to the end. The end part is love and mercy. And let that love pour into others as you walk with God to see people as he sees them. And this is like, this is a constant thing. And it's something we all have to just really work through, like, to even be able to ask the question, like, God, will you help me to see them as you see them? Not as my preconceptions do, not as my own biases do, but as you see them. Not even as the circumstances show me about them. I want to go beyond that. All right, number two. Use tomorrow, as you know, I think most of you are going to have the day off, to practice creative altruism. There's an opportunity to serve, to volunteer tomorrow, but there's also, also you can think about someone or a particular group. What's something creative you can do to care for someone that you now see? And so I want you to remember our church organism paradigm from last week. There are things we do corporately, and we're going to be involved in that, but then there's a lot of it that we, we do individually, and that is both and, because the church is a living and breathing organism, not a structure where everything is dependent on the church, but a, but, but a structure where the church is alive and active and moving. So, so, so take some time with that. Uh, Liz is going to come up, come up and uh, guide us into communion today.